drum set oh that's right yeah oh wow tell us the story. how'd you get that i mean tell us the story about working with billy well are you guys dead fans oh yeah yes so so in 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 uh it was about 81 or 82 um i did a show with bobby weir's band in uh, tucson and i can't i'm sitting there at sound check and and I've done shows with Billy. I tried it like that. How's that? Yeah, it's good. So yeah. I, I've done I did shows with Billy in the late seventies when when I first started promoting and and and, and I always idolized Billy Cobham. Uh, you're familiar with him, right? Oh yes. This is like yeah. the strongest drummer in the world. Let's the drum ring. He just lets it. Yeah. He lets On it ring out. Unbelievable. So I saw him in. What would it be? I want an intermounting flame. What is that? 71? Uh, 70, yeah, I was going to say 70, 71. One, two. Pre, Pre-return to forever, right? Right. Right. So I booked my first show in 1974, and it was the Mob Vision Orchestra. Except Billy wasn't there. But <laughs> I knew it, and I still booked him. <laughs> 3500 bucks for the for the second one it was, it was the album called um, birds of fire okay sounds about right birds yeah. Of yeah. Fire. yeah 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 it was after it was after McLaughlin disbanded the group with Jan Hammer Jerry Goodman okay and Billy Cobham so I, I booked them and and uh, now it's Five or six years later, I'm doing Bobby Weir, Bobby in the Midnights. And here's Billy Cobham. And I go up to this very drum set. And I go, whoa, that's the most beautiful. He goes, it's a spec kit. He goes, I really love it. He goes, what do you think? He goes, do you play? I go, yeah. And and I have this one move I do that's acceptable to drummers. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if I do anything else, if I do anything else, they go, fuck you, get off. <laughs> so I, I did my little thing. And he goes, You should have those. And I go, What you talking about, Lewis? <laughs> he, goes, he goes, they're yours. He goes, when I'm done with the tour, I'll send them. Oh man! Oh man! So, so that was that was a very very early eighties. Yeah, he paid storage on those things to the late nineties, waiting for me to give him an address to send them. Oh my god! Oh, and we had gotten together many many times. Right. In between them, and finally one day he says to me, "Dude, do you want these or not?" <laughs> Ten years later, he goes. They're pretty valuable. I could probably get ten grand for them. It's one set. Yeah, that's it. And they never made the other set. So finally, in 1998, he sent them to me. They were in my living room. I was a single guy. I was the happiest guy on earth. I got Billy Cobb's drums, 
in the living room with a hookup so I can play with them. Right, right. And then I got married. <laughs> Drums, gone. Oh, wow. Now, so the, the place we're in right now, the office we're in right now is two doors. I bought a house two doors away from my house. Because <laughs> I hate driving to work. Right. And I want my drums. Oh, yeah. So I, right I, on. I, I, I come here anytime I want and play drums, and I don't have to bother anybody. So that's how I got them. It cost me $568 to have them shipped. Wow. That's a bargain. Vintage kit. That's awesome, man. That's a wow. big kit. That's double cute. bass, double bass, and 10 toms. Woo. It's a beast. But I can't hit them like Billy. Right. So, so Danny Seraphine from Chicago came over here and helped me set him up. Mm. Well, he helped me. He set him up I because I don't know about setting up drums. Right. But, but I, I've, I've been a player for years, but I was never on the... I was never a working drummer where I had to move gigs. Danny comes over, he goes, you're missing four cymbals. The next two days later, I had four cymbals, brand new oh, from Zoltan. And, and, and then Billy came over and, he, and, he, and we called Danny up and he thanked him for getting me the cymbals. And, um, but I've got the two greatest drum teachers on earth. Yeah. Those wow. are the two best drummers alive. Yeah. So cool. When did you become friends with with Herbie Hancock and start that relationship? That was like well, that, your... that was that was the very first show. That was that was see in uh, when was it? I booked Herbie to play with Weather Report on April eighth, nineteen seventy four. Weather Report just put out Sweet Nighter. Yeah, and Herbie had. Headhunter, wow. two of the greatest jazz albums ever made. Right. I had them both. Ready, Shane? Yeah. How much? Uh, <laughs> 3000 Herbie was 3500 and Weather Report was two grand. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> If I could get Weather Report right now for two grand, they'd play in my fucking living room. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd pay them four. Stream, yeah, stream that reunion. <laughs> Holy but shit. There, there, there's, there's no Weather Report without Joe Zavano. Right. No, it's not. Yeah. Right. It doesn't. Forget it. Journey can get away with no Steve Perry, but you cannot get away with no Joe Zavano. I'm sorry. It'll, it'll be like going, all right, let, let's get somebody to fill in for Mick Jagger. Yeah. Right, it's not going to happen. Nope. Even Steven anyway. wouldn't take that game. Anyway, so get this. Here's my first show. Here's here, and, and, and it didn't scare me away. So I buy them for fifty five hundred dollars at the Celebrity Theater, which is a place that I love and I still use to this day. And their agent calls me up. Saul calls me up. He goes. Got to cancel the show. Mm. I go, why? He goes, we booked Deep Purple the same night in town. Oof. And I go, what you talking about, Lewis? <laughs> Deep Purple? What does Deep Purple have to do with Herbie Hancock? I hate to say it, black and white. 
He goes, who plays Herbie Hancock on the radio? And I said, Katie KB. He goes, and I stopped him. He goes, who plays? I said, oh, fuck. Same station plays Deep Purple. Remember, we're in 1974 when people liked all kinds of music, and they still do, but radio still hasn't figured it out. Nope. Yep. Let's do a show about radio. We should. Uh, It'll take radio down again. You're right. Uh, you got another six hours? <laughs> I know. You know, so anyway, so I had to move Herbie to June. Now I'm in Phoenix and I've just moved here and I don't know about 110 degrees. <laughs> I don't know that around Mother's Day, everybody leaves Phoenix who has money mm. and they don't come back till Labor Day. And it's still hot. Right. But for three months, this place is a ghost town. I'm afraid of some ghosts. <laughs> so so uh, they moved the show to uh, June, two months later. Two big problems, three big problems. Now it's June. No weather report. They're booked. So it's just Herbie. And I had to move it from the Celebrity Theater, which is a 2,500-seater in the round, to Symphony Hall, which is a gorgeous theater, but nobody goes to it for rock shows. But it's still a great theater. Hmm. But it was we had a we had a downtown here in Phoenix, which was nothing forever. Ever since I moved here, uh, and then and then the, when the Diamondbacks came in in the late '90s, then it started turning into a downtown. And now it's a great downtown. That but it was in the, in the 70s, it was a ghost town. Right. So we booked the show uh, with Herbie and, and I'm going, oh shit, I, I, I need to sell some more tickets. So I hired this guy, Shane, you probably know him. Uh, Dave, if you get this one, and it's only because of age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I assume Shane's a, maybe a well, year or two older than you. Uh, just a little. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> uh, Charles Lloyd. Charles Lloyd. Yeah. Charles yeah. Sax player, right? Yep. Okay. Great, great sax flautist. So I paid him two grand. And Herbie goes afterwards. And Charles was great. But Herbie's like more like a promoter. And, and certainly knew more than I did. But I didn't know him yet. I wasn't on a first name basis with him. And, and uh, I couldn't call and ask him what he thought. So we get there day of the show. I'm driving the equipment truck, the U-Haul in the truck and I'm moving it and Herbie shows up with his manager and they go up, hey kid, where's the promoter? <laughs> and I go, hold on, I'll get him. And I get out of the truck and I go, how you doing? Nice to see you, Herbie. You're the promoter? Are you wearing diapers, son? You know, <laughs> I was I was nineteen. Oh man, yeah, and, and, and we we had we had the greatest uh, one of my greatest uh, to that point it was the greatest day one of the uh, one of the greatest. And um, later on during the day, I walked into the dressing room and and these guys, Herbie and Bill, the manager. <laughs> I go, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? 
We're chanting. You can chant for anything you want and get it by chanting. I said, should we start with another 500 tickets that aren't sold? It's a little late for that. Let's chant for stuff that's realistic. And they said, how about a plate of blow? And I, uh, <laughs> damned if that plate of blow didn't show up before we were done. <laughs> I said, you guys knew. <laughs> of course we knew. <laughs> we were trying to chant for it to come faster. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Wow. He might have, Herbie might object to that story, but he, he's been totally clean for so many years. And yeah. he knows it happened, so I don't. Yeah, he's talked about it. He, I think he talked to Fox Five in New York about how he went through that. Oh, uh, uh, you know, years. I'll yeah. tell you what. Every everybody, well, not everybody. That's that's a bad statement. A lot of people um, get rich quick in this business. A lot of people get popular and famous, and everybody's saying you're so great, Herbie. And and you leave the stage at 10 30, 11, 11 30 at night. And you're still wound up because every creative juice you ever had just came out on that stage. And, oh, okay, show's over, go to bed. Yeah, right. <laughs> that doesn't happen. The show's just beginning in a way. Yeah. The show's just beginning. And, and because they're now they're inspired and they got applause or they got booze or they got a relationship with people that actually heard their music for the first time or the hundredth time, it doesn't matter, but they know how they feel after the show. And uh, that's why they're up all night. And, and and we've had fun. So when that adrenaline hits, it, it's gotta hit, it must've hit for you too, because you know the show's a success for you. And so it's it's a high for you as well. It, it's, it's one of the most magic things to be involved with these guys, you know? Because I wasn't them. Hey now. Well, what was that? What was that show like, Danny? That that Herbie Wait. Hancock show. That that Dude, Herbie Hancock. There they they broke all the rules of jazz. Yeah. There. Let me tell you a great story about that show. It's not in the book. I don't think it's in the book. Is there anything about Keith Jarrett in the book? Uh, I don't think so. In the Herbie story. The Herbie story's in there. I don't, yeah, not the, All right. yeah. So get this. So I'm, I'm thinking like Bill. I'm thinking like Bill Graham. I'm, I want somebody else on that poster. Oh, look. Look what I have. I love this. Oh, my God. Hold on. Oh, I got Sabbath up there. Holy crap. Look at that. Oh, you're wow. this you're love this brother. Man. Look at that. Oh. Hold on. Oh, wow. That's my poster. That is cool. From the, the first poster. That is so cool. I want you to get it good. That's great. That is awesome. You see it? Yes. Yeah. It. I've never done this before. <laughs> <laughs> and look, Herbie signed it like 30 or 40 years later. And he goes, to Danny, where did the time go? Well, we're at it still. Great memories, Herbie Hancock. So do you design? That's amazing. Do, and you do design too and that sort of thing? 
Like, well, that one, that particular poster, I was done in 74. That was done by a friend of mine called Mike Kruger, who I haven't talked to. Okay. Probably almost, he did, he did a couple posters for me in um, 74, and I don't know whatever Oops. happened to him. Uh, but he, he did he did really good work for me. Wow, loved him. God, vintage stuff. Oh my god, that's so cool. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you what, today is the same as it was always. I I, I can't believe that I know all these guys. Yeah, man. And you know what? I hear the same stuff from them because in many cases I was already the guy before they were. Right. Which is weird. Uh, like Perry Farrell goes, Perry Farrell ran down statistics to me about what I've done in the last twenty years when I met him in nineteen ninety. Wow. And we ended up we ended up naming Lollapalooza together. I was going to say yeah. that was a trip. It was you or him? You guys both did that, right? Yep. Boy, were we high. <laughs> look at these. We were we were hammered. <laughs> Look at those babies right there. Oh man, the dad, 94, Vegas. Oh, wow. wow, let's see. Oh, let's go this way. It's so cool. Not as good a pictures as I like. There's the Starsborn concert poster right there. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the original one. That's it. That's a real one. Uh, I got offered 20 grand for it and said 40. 20. And they, and they said, okay, and I said 60. <laughs> I didn't say yes yet. Move those goalposts. In the meantime, for anybody that's listening, write a book. You want to talk about rejection? <laughs> you know, I've been working this book now for a few months, and uh, anybody who's read it and it's so sweet, they they love it, and and uh, they've enjoyed it, and. And I'm doing a lot of uh, podcasts and interviews and things for people all over the country. And all I can hope is that it's a breath of fresh air instead of what else you're hearing. All oh, the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's, only, there's only so much we can do about everything in our lives these days. And, and, and the thing that we can continue to do is just tell the truth. Well, you lay it all out Absolutely. and you, you take away, there's always been like a, you know, the veil, like we always, you even said in the book, you know, people wonder how you guys make money. They, we, we wonder how this works, how that works. And you, you sort of, you paint the picture and, it, and it's amazing because it, it's cool to, to kind of, you really are going behind the scenes, you know? And uh, I mean, how did you pick like what, well, what got me is you said, there's more stuff. There's stuff you could have, uh, you know, that might be another book, I guess. Right. Cause you know, you, you got so many. Dave, I don't know. <laughs> this one took a while. This, I, 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 I'm going for a walk. Willie's calling me. Mm. Willie, Willie says, Danny, <laughs> Dave just asked you a question. Now you got to go get another drink. <laughs> You'll be happy to know I'm only doing half shots. Willie's the house band. <laughs> the best Guys, house let me band tell you something. Let me tell you something. There is, nothing there. Like Will, there is nothing like Willie Nelson. Oh, my God. The man's a national treasure. So, so Dave, give, Dave, give me that again. Yeah, just saying, um, you know, you have so many stories in here. You keep it raw. You keep it honest. But you also said there's a bunch of stuff that you did not put in. Do you think you'd do a, you'd do a follow-up? I mean, that, 
this was what four years right here. Maybe, uh, maybe if I wait another four years, some of these guys will die, and I can talk about them. <laughs> That's not nice. No, Look, it, it's like this. There's, um, there, there's a lot more stories, but the thing is, like, I uh, let's see, I can do this. I hate that light. You know, the mood um, is set. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not big on telling tales out of school. Like, if we're not recording right now, I'll tell you guys some shit that'll squirrel you up all crazy. Right. But the fact of the matter is, you know, there, there's an, I think there's an ethical code that all men and women feel, and they should know. Yeah. When you're privileged or lucky or cursed enough to be on the inside of a story that maybe you weren't expecting. Some of them you walk away from going, wow, that was great. And other ones you go, I am scarred for life. I never want to think about this again. This has happened to me many, many times over the everything in between. Mm. Um, I don't think when those things are going on that you have the right to share all that. You know, if it's going to embarrass somebody, if, if it's going to, like, the guy wasn't married then, now he's married and he's got kids and now he's reading this shit. Yeah. That ain't fair. Right. That, that's out of, it's out of bounds. Because um, I'll tell you what, guys, I, I did well in this business. I made some money and, and, and I'm not writing a book or selling my merchandise or, my, or, or any of the uh, stuff that I've saved. Because uh, I'm trying to fit anybody. And, and, and that's not the whole point. I, I, and this book was never about revenge, which I could have taken. I'm printing it. I'm paying for it. I can say whatever the hell I want. I have a hundred stories that I can murder people with. Well, one of those might murder me in return, right? <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't want to talk about that shit. This isn't about getting back at people. This isn't revenge. This is about glorifying them. Mm. This is like church. This is the church of rock and roll to me. And, and it's like, I, I, I'm sharing that if I did this, anybody can do it. That's one. Yeah. Number two, isn't music great? Oh my God. What about number three, the musicians? Number four, the people that make the musicians keep carrying them from one city to the next all the people on the road the, the the road monsters the animals that stay up all night and and they're not even using blow anymore i mean it's crazy yeah yeah there, there are people man i mean we've been thinking about we've been talking about like all those folks i mean feeling for them because you know we all love music we had a, a gal on the show who is who does merchandise and she's been she's been off the road for more than a year and it's crushing for her you know and I mean, these are our people. We just, we hate seeing them going through this stuff, you know? It's yeah, we do. And, and you know, it, it's not it's not anything you could prepare for. Right. I mean, I, on March 15th last year, I'm in Chicago. John Fogarty is ready to go on stage in Scottsdale. I'm going to see my mom in Chicago who's in, in a, an adult home. 
And at the same time Scottsdale found out about it, I'm in Chicago and I found out at the same time, everything's closed as of now. Oh, Remember that minute, that, yeah. that hour? So it's six o'clock at night in Scottsdale. Fogarty's people are at dinner. People are on their way to the show. They're there at the place having dinner. And we had to send everybody home. And they had to clear out the hotel. 500 rooms. Go home. Go somewhere else. Well, you're in a hotel, so you're theoretically... Can you imagine? I wasn't there. I'm, uh, yeah. uh, you know... Oh, it's just brutal. I mean... You know, so... I, I, I think if... You know, look. There, there's plenty of stuff to go on in human conditions that everybody shares. This was a new one on everybody. Yeah. And and um, I'm ready to come back. Everybody's ready to come back. The musicians want to play. I want to play. I want to do shows. And uh, I want you guys to come out here and introduce the show with me on stage one day. Oh, dude. <laughs> Would you do that? Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Absolutely, man. It'd be amazing. Yeah. yeah.